Welcome to this latest edition of the Delivery Profits, brought to you by the Delivery.World together with Avico. We're so grateful for all of you out there who tune in regularly for this podcast. Without you, we're just a bunch of guys and gals talking to each other in a recording studio. I'm Peter Backman, and today, together with John Balzacchiello and our special guest, Edin Basic, we'll talk about delivery in general and ways to make it accessible and profitable. And no doubt we'll get on to other topics too, as we try to get a deep understanding of the forces shaping this rapidly evolving sector. Uh, but before we get on to that, John, uh, we're sort of coming out of the winter blues and looking to the spring, aren't we? We are. Um, January's over. It's done. Here we are, February. So uh, daffodils are coming out. We're seeing some sunshine. It's getting lighter at night time as well. And I'll sit watching on the news that every month now we're going to pick an hour up. So by June, back to 10 o'clock at night and it's still light. So, uh, yeah, let's have some good weather this year, Peter. The trouble with that view, though, is that um, it starts to go steadily downhill from June onwards. There, but- there is that. Um but by the time that comes, the sun's out and the January blues are well past. So uh, then we've got Christmas to look forward to. Let's not go there today, though. <laughs> yeah. Um, and um, in the meantime, there's uh, the opportunity to take the wife out on Valentine's Day, Easter holidays. Um, I'm looking forward to going to the States in May. I've got a big trip planned and... Um, so generally, plenty to look forward to. Definitely, that'll be yes. fantastic going to the States. We're, um, we've decided to do a staycation this year, so we're going to stay in the UK, maybe a trip up to Scotland for a week or so, um, and take the children on different day trips, um, show them what the UK has really, rather than travelling abroad this year. Yeah, kids nowadays don't necessarily get to see their home country, wherever it is. Definitely, 100%. There's too much uh, pressure on... Let's have a week in Mallorca. Well, no, a week in Scotland for us this year, Peter. Right. I think it's time to get the show on the road. Um, As usual, let me set the scene with some thoughts that I'd prepared earlier. Um, Restaurant delivery is a strange beast. It's a global phenomenon, and yet it's performing differently, seemingly wherever you look. In India, it's racing ahead. In the UK, it's been slowing down. In the USA, it marches on regardless. And then there's rapid grocery delivery. With startups emerging everywhere around the world during COVID, it's now almost forgotten. The original market players have been replaced by and large, one by one, by restaurant deliverers who've stolen their business piece by piece. Added to that, we're seeing companies from South Korea to France acquiring new businesses and restructuring their existing businesses. Is this constant change going to remain a constant fact of life or will the industry settle down? And if so, how long will that take? And what does the settled world of delivery look like? These issues and more intrigue me. And I like to think that our discussions on the delivery profits shed light on the future direction of this exciting industry. John, what do you think? Yeah, Peter, we've been talking to some of Avico's customers um, during January and they had a good start January, then it's really seemed to slow down. The The whole, um, I guess, restaurant sector has slowed down since the Christmas break, and January's always quiet, but we see lots more of the 30, 40, 50% off main courses, even from the big brands, the big operators out there. If we look at it on a global, from, um, again, business point of view, is 
the Far East is the the rapid, rapid expansion out there it, it is untouchable. But that comes down to, we've spoke about them before, the Big Three. The Big Three are opening up at such a rapid rate, one a day, if not more out there. So it, it's happening. Are we going to see a change this year? Operators are operating cautiously. There's some offers spilt over into February. Um, and they, of course, go into the delivery as well because that is such a big part of their business now. Mm. Um, I, I think it's also important to take um, a longer-term view as well. Everybody does. You, you've got to look at what's happening over the next few weeks, months, but also the longer term to structure the business in the right way. And I guess that's time to bring in our guest, Edin Basic. Welcome, Edin. Hi, hi. I'm really happy to be here. As we'll no doubt find out shortly, Edin is an entrepreneur. He founded Firezza, the award-winning pizza concept, which he scaled to 17 sites, becoming a market leader in the London gourmet pizza delivery market before exiting to Pizza Express in 2016. Since then, he started and scaled quite a number of food and bev concepts around the world. And right now, he's massively involved in the development of Amp Amplify, which I've no doubt he'll tell us a little bit about. So what in your background is it that makes made you get into delivery? How did you get there? That's a good question. I come from the restaurant background, actually. Um, having been in um, head chef and area manager. And then um, I think in 2001, I always wanted to start my own business. And then I realized that delivery is real opportunity because there wasn't... Um, there was a real gap in the market, and we just went for it without having real experience in the, without understanding what is actually waiting for us. You know, it's very different business than a restaurant. Great. So, can I can I just ask you a, sort of a general question? Whether there's anything that we've said so far um, that you'd like to uh, expand on or disagree with, or Yes, uh, thanks, Peter. I think um, um, the the point really interesting for me is that delivery existed long before um, we have aggregates. You know, before they came to the scene, and um, in order to understand what is happening now and where delivery is going in the future, I think we need to understand what was there before in the past. Uh, so I've seen uh, delivery from uh, standalone places, you know, the aggregators coming in. Uh, and uh, to start, to begin with, it was really slow. And then it accelerated where, you know, to bring us where we are now. We've spoke a few times, Adam, before on these podcasts around. It started when it used to be the local, um, let's say, restaurants delivering the food. So... Your classic on a Saturday evening would be to have a Chinese takeaway, an Indian takeaway. You would ring up the restaurant, order your food, the the delivery driver from that restaurant. Uh, are those operators that are still doing that model? Now, yes, they can be on a um, platform. So let, let's take Just Eat as an example. Just Eat, do that model where you can still use your own driver. Is that a model that's going to work better long term, do you think? Because it's a marketplace, but they still use their own people. There is a number of uh, number of changes which happened since you had uh, you had two categories essentially. You know, one category was delivery, 
Yep. You had your delivery places, as you mentioned, Ophiretsa was one of them, and and then you had eating in places, which is you know different experience. What what what, what time are we talking about here? Well, give us an approximate date. Well, we're talking two thousand. We started Ophiretsa uh, in two thousand and one. So well, until two thousand eight or ten, it was pretty much you know the, the two categories were clearly divided. Um, and then what, what you have now, you have those two categories merged. So you can't open a restaurant without doing deliveries nowadays. But that, I think the whole process of uh, this uh, delivery evolution from, you know, the two categories merging into one uh, is interesting because, you know, it's very different business delivery. It is, you know, there are lots of different things as much as simple it looks you make the food somebody take the bike and bring it to you but you know when you dig into it um and all the different kpis on, on delivery times holding times in-store times um drive time how big is your delivery area how many household do you need to in order to achieve the sales you know their targets what is the what is the drive time, what is the delivery radius, all of these things, which uh, for us as a delivery people, it's kind of second nature. You know, that's what we do. One thing that intrigues me is where this information actually comes from. Does it come from experience? Does it come from looking at a map and measuring it out with a pencil? You know, um, how? How do you know these things? Well, there's, there's standards. I think that the the market leader, the biggest expert in delivery is Domino's. Clearly, they are not food company. They are tech company who does delivery really, really well. Um, so we always worked on, for example, you want to open a site. You look at the concentration of the customers, the households, how many households you need in the area to, you know, to, to do this. Um, so, for example, Domino's would work at the time on 20,000 households in the area. We would work probably more as a new brand, you know, in more households. Uh, so I think now delivery time we used to work on was six to eight minutes, which would give you approximately two kilometers radius, which is just, just about a bit more than a mile. Um, and I work with lots of brands now, you know, smaller, medium size operators um, who are on aggregates. And they don't really understand any of these metrics on delivery. So I found, you know, the delivery areas are now three, three miles at least, which means your delivery time is increased. So the average delivery time on this particular case was 40 minutes from the order to the door. For for us, as, you know, as standalone delivery place, this is unthinkable. This is like a problem. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it's interesting. I uh, last week was away with work, and I ordered. I was in the out outer London, let's say, mm. and I ordered from a very well known brand that is very good at delivery um, through a aggregator. The food took over an hour, and when I got it, it was cold. Cold. Not, not even warm. Well, that's that's and that's the thing, John. Uh, sorry to, uh, to, to interrupt. It it 
Delivery is hot food on time. This is what it is. Now, when we came with the amazing product, you know, Napolitan pizza, all ingredients, you know, we kind of presented it, we raised the expectations. But if that product arrives to you one day in 20 minutes, another day comes in one hour, so you lose the consistencies. And what happens that customers, they prefer consistency. They want to know they get hot food on time in 20 minutes. So who, whose responsibility is it? Is it the the um, aggregator whose job it is to, to make sure the, the product is is put into the system in time? Or is it the uh, restaurant who should know better and shouldn't um, accept orders that are going to take too long? I mean, wh- where does where, where does that responsibility lie? Oh, well, this is... Uh... It, to me, is very obvious. I think aggregators, they had a place and they still do. Um, especially now, you know, you have brands with growing delivery sales. The trend is growing. You know, we're talking 400 billion pounds industry or dollars. You know, it, it's here to stay. Um, so you have a big brands, you know, 10, 15, 20% of the sales that come from delivery. Why they're here, that's another story, but it is what it is. And they can't afford to lose this, you know, so they're kind of almost forced to be there, whether they're happy or not, it is uh, important part of the revenue. Um, so what's fault it is, I think operators, or 90% of operators, are actually really good in making food. They don't understand delivery, you know, this is taken away from them. Or rather they... You know, they never really got involved, you know, to have the full ownership of this uh, whole process. Um, which means that, you know, the, the decisions made on size of delivery area, the long waiting time, uh, travel time, you know, in the winter, pizza is product which travels well, but it's very large, you know, and it gets cold very quickly. What kind of hot bags they're using? You know, we used to have a hot bags with the plate inside, induction heating plate which keeps the hot bag hot. And now the drivers, um, or self-employed drivers, they, they have their own bags and, you know, sometimes no bags at all. So all of this, I just feel that um, the, the, the merging two categories together and having the, you know, big players in between to manage the delivery part is, um, honestly, for me, I, I think it was never going to work. It's convenient for operators. And, you know, the reason why lots of restaurants went to delivery is the FOMO, you know, fear of missing out. Because everybody you see, if you're a CEO of a big company, you see the trend growing, you don't want to miss out. So it's kind of unknowingly, without really understanding what will happen in, I don't know, two, three, five years' time, you know, you found yourself, your sales are 20% of your revenue as a big, you know, corporate uh, chain um, and uh, it's kind of hard to <laughs> you know you are where you are now so, Peter yeah. I'm sorry to come in there I'm going to just dissect why it is just said I think just between us because we've been here and I'm going to use one word experience so a guest experience in a restaurant is the number one thing that we've spoke about so many times but what I didn't say is if you are a good operator do what you're really good at if you are a delivery company 
a Domino's, a Papa John's. Do what you're really good at because by having this market merging, people are getting a substantial experience where it's not what they expect. If you go to a restaurant with friends, you have that whole experience. Can that really be created away, Peter? Well, um, you know, we've talked about it, haven't we? And some of our guests have said yes. Um, I think I, I naturally sit on the on the side that says, well, it's very, very difficult to do that. Um, um, but I, I'm also intrigued by what um, Edwin has said about um, splitting the, the responsibility. That's how that's my, my words rather than his. Um, that the um, by putting the two bits together, the restaurant and the aggregator, somehow or other, things drop through the middle. Um, and one of the things is definitely experience, which is the meal experience, but also the delivery experience, the time that you wait, and I guess the time you pay. Um, and do you think I've got something here? Yeah, definitely. I think the, the you know our metrics, delivery metrics, were very specific. You wanted, um, you know, our targets was ninety percent of deliveries within thirty minutes, and we monitor this on a daily basis, on you know, on a weekly basis, and then seventy uh, percent deliveries under twenty minutes. And we knew. I, I don't remember who did research, but for us, it's kind of one of the KPI. If you knock off one minute of your door-to-door time, delivery time, that equals to increased sales of £1,000 a week. So every minute equals to this. Wow. People want delivery on time consistently. You know, if if I order a delivery from whatever that is, pizza, doesn't matter, I need to know, you know, what time it arrives, what time will arrive, and uh, shorter the better. Because it's convenience, you know, you want to wait in for one hour was unthinkable for us. Um, so what you have now is that um, if you look at the customer side, you know, their experience or what was before and what is now. Yeah, the convenience of the marketplace is, is obviously, you know, people like that. Having, every, you know, all the operators in the same place. But... They, they pay more for their deliveries, much more, and uh, they wait longer, and the food gets colder. So they don't get, you know, the whole experience of deliveries as much as is changed in terms of choice, but the actual experience on waiting time, cold food, uh, hot food on time, uh, and the price they pay is, is, is worse. They're worse off. Right. So my interpretation of what you've said, and and I may have got it wrong, is that the restaurants um, or restaurants have outsourced their delivery. um, And two things happen. One is they say, well, we've outsourced it. So that's not our problem. Now it's somebody else's to get it delivered on time. And the second bit is that they don't have the necessary information to monitor what may be going right or maybe going wrong. Do you think that's correct? Yeah, that's a spot on. I think that the whole customer data issue is, uh, you know, restaurants don't really see their KPIs. How? Look, we, we looked to 
so many numbers when, when you are running delivery operation. You know, we know how many customers we have in a database. How many, then you segregate customers on the active, which means order regularly. Then you have your lazy, we call them lazy people who, they're not lazy, but you know, lazy number of orders. They order like once every two months or so. And then you have a lapse customers. So what that gives you, ability to, you know, to, to run the targeted marketing to give the right offers to the right customers. Uh, so that's one thing. And, and you know, so the, the other important number in delivery when you have your ba- the database is to look into order frequency. How often your customer order? What is your average order frequency? So... Sorry to put in there, Edin, but I'm going to bring a really good point up here that all oper- the operators don't know this. No. Because the aggregators keep this information and no one can get to the bottom of it. So... Again, last night, everyone will know what I ordered because I always do. I had Dishoom. It came to my room. When I ordered it, it said 50 minutes. And let's not say it took 50 minutes to deliver that because it didn't. We have to remember here that they have the time in the restaurant to cook it, prepare it. There may be a wait. But from when the and this is an interesting thing that I haven't seen before. When I placed the order, um, Deliveroo gave me, and I have said them, gave me the option to pay £3.95 extra to get my meal delivered straight away. I didn't take that option. But when, so when I placed my order, it was in the restaurant cooking, as it says on their app, and then it said, your food, food will be delivered soon, that he, your rider has one drop-off before, or has a drop-off before. So drivers are obviously doing multiple drop-offs because they need to earn their money. I understand that. I've never seen that option where you can pay more to have it delivered straight away. So someone somewhere is aware of these facts and they're now actioning it, but then the consumer to pay another £4 for a delivery that's already cost me 35 Is that acceptable? Well, that we, we know that um, in a number of research which are done, that one-third or 33% of uh, consumers are happy to pay more for faster delivery. Yes, I, I think it seems to me that wherever you go on, on in delivery, and I'm not only talking about restaurant delivery, but um, anything you have delivered or any service you've got, you now have the option to pay for a, quote, better, unquote, service. It comes back to um, first and second class stamps, Peter. It does. It does. But you know, when you go, like you said, this is all going right back years and years and years and years to basics. First and second class stamps, Royal Mail, before anyone else was there. Can I just take this point to uh, slow the conversation down? We can come back to these points again. Um, uh, But I'd just like to say that if you're enjoying the show, please consider supporting us by leaving a five-star rating on Spotify, Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts. Your ratings and reviews mean the world to us and help more people discover our content. Plus, it's the best way to show your appreciation for the hard work that the Delivery.World team, the Avico team, and our fabulous guests put into each and every episode. So go ahead, hit that five-star button. There are full instructions in the show notes. And let's continue today's fantastic episode. We've talked about uh, the, the fact that restaurants don't necessarily have the information that they need about the delivery process. Um, there are also questions about not having information about their customers and so on. If this was put right, 
would it fundamentally transform the business or would it make just the general level of service a bit better? I think you, you would uh, having your customer database it, it is a big deal. You know, you know what's going on. You know what's how much people spend, uh, what the frequency, what is your lapse customers, why. You know, there's a, there's a communication piece where you have you have ability to to talk to them. You know, to say to learn about um, the whole service and you know what what went right and what went wrong. Um, so I, yes, I think it, it would get better. Uh, well, you see, I think the, the the another interesting point I wanted to make is we come from restaurant people. We have come from restaurants. We are restaurant people. So when we start delivery concept, we kind of um, depending on the, the layout of the site, we introduce eating in slowly. Then we end up having you know like a sixty seat restaurant who is in delivery company. Um, and I think at site number six, we realized it was really difficult operationally to manage because the peak time of Friday night is peak time for delivery. And if you don't have a capacity management on delivery side, which means how many deliveries you can serve per hour, then both operations in delivery, anything, you will suffer. People wait for long on both sides. The food is going to get cold. So we decided to kill it. Okay, no more eating in. I we closed all eating in. And I think that was the best decision we made, because when you have your restaurant customers coming in and you do busy delivery at the same time, it's very difficult. I'm not saying it's impossible. Probably in the dual kitchen with two different exits, but lots of restaurants went into delivery without really thinking about this. You know. Where the drivers come seen, where is the dispatch point? You know, where is where do they exit? If you have um, if you have pizza operation, for example, maybe you have two different ovens which you switch on when you increase the capacity, sharing the same labor, and none of this is um, you know it was was happening, and as a result, it's all mixed up into your restaurant, your your core customers are you know. The service is not great because of delivery drivers coming in the same place. So, you know, waiting time is long. And also delivery. You know, that's why you have your average waiting time going up, you know, to 40 minutes, which is unthinkable in in, uh, in a standalone delivery place. Um, so there's loads of different challenges uh, where we are now. Um, and I come from the operational side, so I can see all the... All the issues, you know, we've been new about this for a long time, and they're just popping out now because, you know, it's it's obvious. Here's an interesting one for both of you. Let, let's stay on pizza and deliveries and restaurant. A long time now is pizza. Pizza have their restaurants. Were they so forward thinking that they created dark kitchens? As in, a pizza hut was a. They had their sites where there were restaurants. But then they opened a takeaway-only site where you could go in and get the takeaway or you could get it delivered. So were they so forward-thinking? They did the dark kitchens before anyone else. Where where did Pizza Hut fit on all of this? Well, I I, I think that's a good point. I don't think Pizza Hut had a restaurant and delivery from the same unit because it doesn't work. They didn't. It was separate because where I lived, yeah. there was a restaurant I did, and then literally half a mile up the road, 
they have the takeaway shop, takeaway delivery shop, let's call it. You can apply that argument to uh, Domino's as well, who whose sites are in the high street, but many of them are just, in, in effect, delivery sites. But they don't have the restaurant side to their business piece, do they? Whereas Pizza Hut originally were Pizza Hut restaurants, weren't they? That's true. That's very true. Well, so this is all, uh, you know, that I think we mentioned at the beginning of the, of the conversation today. This is, those two categories are mixed up into one. Uh, so, yeah, this will be very, I have a quite strong opinion on where the future is going to be, but let's... Well, fine. <laughs> that we're, bridge, we're, <laughs> we're the delivery prophets, so prophesy. Go ahead. Uh, prophesize. Um Right. It's... It is a difficult one. I think um, I like to look at it from the consumer point of view. So it's the demand is there. You know, delivery is here to stay. That we all agree on this. Uh, the convenience of the marketplace is something which people obviously like. You know, instead of going to all different individual brands, you go to one place and you find everybody there. And I feel this this is going to stay. Um, However, what needs to change is we need to improve the service to customer and we need to, they need to pay fair price. You know, if you, I have quite a few examples, you know, because I'm in this space where in average you pay 23% more for delivery than anything in. All different fees, often, uh, rightly or wrongly, restaurants or operators, they put prices more expensive on, on, on aggregates, even, you know, this is happening. Uh, one example, we had a Mexican uh, chain or restaurant, they had 43% more for the same dish, for the same order wow. on delivery. Uh, and it was uh, researched by which, so it's, it's a credible, you know, credible information. So that needs to change. Now, how do you do this? Is that's that's a million dollar question. I I just feel that um, all the the brand ownership and the customer data piece and 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 so on. You know, if you are building a, a restaurant, let's say you are the entrepreneur, you have a one, two, three, five kind of medium sized chain. Your value of the company is. Uh, is lower if you depend on, on, on somebody else to bring your sales in. Because any changes, any fees increase, any the change in delivery area, for example, will affect your sales. So no investor is going to pay the full price. That's one thing. And and, and secondly, it's just not all, you know, the, the, the whole brand ownership and the customer journey thing is, is, is really important. Um, so I feel the operators are going to create their own delivery channels. They're being forced, or they will be forced to do that because of the customer experience and because the fees are just um, yes. too high. Yeah, number of reasons, the margins. You know, you have a you have an ongoing trend now on, on, on platforms where operators are putting offers in. I mean, the, for me, it just it's really strange to see how can you give... I don't know, 50% so, five pounds off if you spend 25 pounds and things like this, when you pay, you know, large uh, fee. To, so you don't make any any profit. Uh, 
or the cells are coming in. So that has to change, <laughs> surely. Well, um, you ask me. I mean, I don't know. Uh, I have I have a view. Um, I I can't individually change these prices at all, um, and uh, we can use the delivery profits to discuss these issues, and I think we do. And I, I think um, the, the question of fees, both direct fees and the indirect fees, and also the fees that, they're not really fees, but the inefficiency costs in the whole system mean that there is a danger, and I'd be interested to hear what you have to say about this, there is a danger that actually, in the end, that's going to kill this golden goose. There is the demand, but if the fees get too high, if the customer pays too much or the operator doesn't make enough, then it's not going to work. Um, I, I, I agree with you, Peter. I think um, uh, there's, uh, I also see the opportunity here. Uh, and uh, the opportunity is, there is a problem, uh, we need a solution. Uh, there are a number of solutions. I think the technology is going to pay, uh, play a huge part in how this uh, you know, war is going forward. Well, let's think about, imagine the marketplace of individual operators where they pay a price to be there and using their own delivery channels. So that means there will be other companies uh, providing uh, delivery drivers, for example, where you don't pay the fee, which is percentage-based, but you pay uh, the percentage just to be on the platform, for example. So that would work, and the and um, and the individual operators they keep their own customer customer data and so on. Uh, I think, like uh, John earlier mentioned uh, before we started, is the Amazon is is the, <laughs> is the ultimate uh, marketplace of individual operators, and they can keep their own branding and you know. So it to me is leading that way. Because the way it is now was uh, we are here because it was just a natural progress of the, of the, of the things, you but, know, how they develop. But don't the delivery companies, the big names, the DoorDashes, the Just Eats and so on, don't they have a real interest in carrying on as they are now? Are they going to change or is is there going to be some movement from from within or is some other party going to emerge this is your chance to prophesy yeah i think look at initially i think they will try to stop the trend of uh, of you promoting to their customers to go to your own channels and this is already happening you know by contract you are not allowed to do this whose customer is it added uh aggregators so it's the aggregators customer oh. not the restaurant well. providing the food <laughs> yeah i'm just being devil's advocate because we have this conversation every podcast ah uh, this is uh, great. Yeah. So your opinion? The, well, you know, this is the if you just think about if if something goes wrong, who the customer blame? That the blame aggregator, the blame operator. But clearly, they are not uh, customers of, of the operators. However, however, I got some numbers for you here. While you've got the numbers, I'm just having a look on an aggregator, mm -hmm. um, and we're talking about discounts. There's hundreds. We're sat in uh, Brewdog in Waterloo, and there's hundreds on there. When they've got a discount, there is three well-known brands that we'd all know amongst hundreds of independents. So it looks like the independents are the ones doing the offer. Is that to get their traction up against those big brands? Yeah, yeah. You do. You you are more visible, and um, 
this is the trend uh, I mentioned earlier, which is, uh, in my opinion, is quite it's not sustainable because how can you give the offers when you have to pay large fees? You know, you just just add the numbers. It's very difficult to you know to make any profit. But going back to numbers, I think uh, you know sixty-seven percent of uh, existing customers, uh, the, sorry, existing customers, they'll, they'll spend 67% more on delivery than new customers. So in your interest is to keep your existing customers, but if you don't know, then you are, you know, you are in the dark. This is really interesting point. So you need to know your, how many existing customers you have, how, what is the order frequency. The, the interesting, uh, uh stats and, and, uh, trends we which are happening at the moment are that 41% of customers they order from one or two their favorite brands so they would go to a platform and order from the same brand so that also indicates that there is a if they do this then they can go to to their own channels and do the same so it seems to me that understanding the customer is hugely important, a hugely important component. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we're probably getting to the point where we need to start wrapping up. And a, a question to you particularly, Edin, but also, John, is there anything you think we, you, we haven't said yet that is really totally relevant to what the, what we're talking about? Um, yes, I, I think... Um the, the, it's very interesting space delivery is fast moving uh, and I feel that there will be very dynamic changes coming uh, this year and, and next year while we've got Ed in here I'd just like to know a bit about Amplify as well if I'm truly honest you've come in we've got you here we've spoke about lots of things but with your current project let, let's have a quick discussion about that before we go yeah, thank you. Um, Amplify is, um, I have two co-founders. Uh, my co-founder is Olchar. She is a marketing executive. She worked with, uh, you know, large brands, uh, Drake & Morgan, Ask, Zizi, Pern, always in the food and drink industry. Ashon is the serial entrepreneur who is specialized in fundraising and, and myself who is, uh, you know, the operation and uh, starting and growing the businesses. So we put uh, our skills together in the same uh, same company to support uh, food and drink founders from fundraising, launch, uh, scale up, and exit. I, in, in my experience, so. there's huge need for that, mm-hmm. um, and I think you're absolutely onto a winner there. Absolutely, thank you. Correct. Thank you very much. How, how's it going currently? It's going well. I think the the difference um, why we are different is because we are we all started, scaled up, ran our own businesses and exited. Um, yeah, we have uh, website is coming soon. We are just doing the final touches. Is there a yeah. um, a URL you can share with us? Yes, it will be v amplify dot uh, com. Thank you. Uh, the best place now to contact is the is the LinkedIn still. Um, and uh, yeah, we have clients in, in this country here. We have a really interesting clients abroad. You know, Caribbean ice cream from Canada wants to break to US and here. We have a very, very exclusive champagne company and uh, some drinks companies, small operators, Greek concept, uh, pizza concept, of course. So how, how can they get hold of you, Edin, if they want to now, before the website's up and running, so on, 
I need to do this. It's going to be great. How can they get hold of you? Uh, I think the best way is a LinkedIn uh, to find on my name. Perfect. So that's, if I can spell it for, for everybody, E-D-I-N-B-A-S-I-C. It, that's right. Correct. Yes. Great. <laughs> Thank you. So inundated now on LinkedIn. That yes. He's, <laughs> he's going to have lots of connections coming. So uh, a big thank you to Edin for taking time out of your busy schedule to join us today and all the very best. Here's a reminder that whether you're a delivery company, a marketplace app, a technology company, a restaurant owner, investor, or, or simply someone who loves to order takeout, the delivery profits is the perfect way to stay informed and ahead of the curve in the world of food delivery. You'll find the delivery profits on Spotify, Apple, Google, or the other places where you normally get your podcasts. And please support the show by leaving a five-star rating. Your ratings and reviews help more people discover our content. There's more at www.thedelivery.world forward slash the delivery profits. Tune in to the next edition of The Delivery Profits for the insights, interviews, and analysis that will keep you ahead of the game in this exciting and ever-evolving industry. And with that, it's goodbye from today's Delivery Profits. That's Edin and John and me. Goodbye. Goodbye. Bye.